This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. The experts at Web.com want to build your business a successful website for free, just like we did for these current Web.com customers. We've used and and looked at other website designers, but there's nobody better than Web.com. Web.com can build your website in as little as seven days free. Plus, we'll promote it on all the major search engines like Google, Yahoo, and Bing. If after 30 days you're happy, we'll continue to provide promotion, hosting, support, and maintenance, all for one low monthly fee. If not, cancel and pay nothing. If you're in business today and you don't have a web presence, you won't be taken seriously. Call right now and you'll also get a free .com or .net domain name for your new website powered by VeriSign, the world's leading domain name provider. Call 800-490-1099 or go to web.com slash radio. That's 800-490-1099. No upfront charge for site build, after which ongoing fees apply. Rights to site are relinquished when canceled. Domain included during active service, after which fees apply. The Buck Sexton Show. Donald Trump has made some waves with his would-be trillion-dollar plan to build U.S. infrastructure out. I want to talk a bit about infrastructure in this country. Somebody who really knows what's going on with it top to bottom. We've got Professor David Levinson on the line. He's on the faculty of the Department of Civil, Environmental, and Geoengineering at the University of Minnesota. He has a Ph.D. in engineering at the University of California, Berkeley. Uh, His dissertation on whom the toll falls focused on local decision-making for financing and management of roads. He's also written a whole bunch of books on this stuff. Sir, uh, Professor, I can't fit in all of your your, uh, infrastructure expertise, but it is considerable, sir. Thank you for calling in. Thank you. Uh, Okay. Trump wants to spend a trillion dollars on infrastructure. First of all, how bad is infrastructure really in this country? He keeps saying, you know, our roads are falling apart, our bridges are falling apart. Is that true or is that just an overstatement? How would you gauge that? Well, the American Society of Civil Engineers um, rates infrastructure fairly poorly. Now, they're an interest group, so you know, one has to be aware of things like motivated reasoning. Um, they have an incentive to spend more money on infrastructure. So everyone who's saying that infrastructure is in really bad shape um, has an incentive. Now, you travel, you go to airports, you drive on roads, um, you might take transit. You can see that, in fact, there is problems with infrastructure. Nobody really knows the full magnitude of this and how much should be spent. Um, There's lots of things that can be done. And so there's different kinds of problems. There's maintenance issues. And so in Washington, D.C., there's the, the metro system, for instance, has, is undergoing a major overhaul now, which is causing a lot of inconvenience for users in order to improve the safety of the system um, because it hasn't been maintained properly over time. There's a large number of bridges in the United States that haven't been maintained properly. And, and even if they were, are maintained properly, they're getting older. Every day, every bridge gets older. Every road gets older until you, you, know, until you replace it or rebuild it. So there are real issues out there. Uh, the magnitude is unclear. There, there's also other types of things that, that people talk about, um, things like congestion. Um, people complain, and Trump particularly has notably complained, about the quality of airports, uh, LaGuardia and, and Kennedy in New York in particular. So there are a set of issues out there. And the question is, how are you going to pay for it? And who's going to pay for it? And who's responsible for it? And what's the best way to deal with it? And how should it be managed? And there's not a, a single straightforward answer for that. Now, I know you write the uh, the transportist, uh, the transportist dot org, which is a blog about these kinds of issues. And in one of your pieces, you dealt with the era of big infrastructure and how it is over. This is from a few years ago. People always ask that question. I always wonder, you know, this is something that 
you'll, you'll hear a grumpy conservative sometimes will say, well, you know, government stinks now. You know, look at how quickly we made the Hoover Dam back in the day. Or they'll point to the interstate highway system or they'll point to uh, railroads. And by the way, this is often used also to sort of silence libertarians and say, do you like railroads? Do you like interstate highway? But those massive uh, projects that literally span the country, it seems like that would be impossible today. Is that really true? I mean, we can't even get high-speed rail going up in California, and the cost of it would be so expensive that people laugh. Yeah, it, it's hard. I mean, the interstate highway system, you know, it was first proposed in some form in the 1930s, more seriously in the 1940s, and it wasn't until 1956 that it actually passed Congress, and it wasn't until 1992 or so that it was finished. Um, big infrastructure takes a long time. Uh, the Transcontinental Railroad, you know, First railroads in the U.S. were in the 1830s. The Golden Spike wasn't until the, uh, it should be 1870s, I believe. So it takes a long time to build big things. And the question is, do we have big things that are worth building? And we built the interstate highway system. It's a great thing. It provides safe and convenient transport for people and goods. That's, that's a wonderful thing to have. That doesn't mean we need a second one. Um, we built railroads across the country. We, we peaked in our railroad mileage back in the 1920s and have since been shrinking our system. The, the lines that are there are carrying more freight every year, but we're using the system more efficiently. So the question is, going forward, do we need new large infrastructure projects? Or do we need to focus on maintaining the infrastructure we have? I think we need to spend more attention on, on maintenance and less on, on building new systems, but that doesn't mean there, aren't, there isn't anything that should be built. But, what should be built? What, what, what could we really use in this country? I mean, people will say, have you ever been to Japan? Look at their high-speed trains. Have you ever been to Singapore? Look at how efficient and, you know, obviously Singapore is a lot smaller. But what, what could we do better or what should we do uh, in terms of building something new? Well, I mean, there's a few projects, selected projects, that are probably worth doing. In, in New York and New Jersey, um, there's probably a need for another tunnel under the Hudson River. Um, there's some old tunnels there, and if one of them gets closed down, either because um, there's a flood or because you, need, you know that you need to repair it because there's cracking and it's old, there's going to be a lack of capacity. So knowing that in advance suggests that there are a few things that should be built. Um, we, we can look at urban transit. Um, there are places that, you know, like Los Angeles is, is taxing itself to build a, a more robust urban transit system. Um, New York has the Second Avenue subway under construction. But these are very, very expensive things. And, and saying that these are useful things doesn't mean that that's the highest priority. And so a question of how do you move people and goods and what's the best thing to do, it's complicated. I'm, I, don't, I don't think that, you know, saying build a new airport in New York. I mean, the airports in New York might be congested, but that's not necessarily the answer. We need to think about how we manage our system better. So we have congested roads. What can we do about that? Well, something that, that some countries do to a greater or lesser extent is think about how we pay for the roads. Um, we pay less in the U.S. Uh, to drive a mile than they do in almost any other country in the world. So why is that? Well, we, we pay via gas tax, and the gas tax doesn't even co cover the cost of, of maintaining roads, much less building new roads. Other countries, they charge a gas tax, and that more than covers the cost of, of paying for the road system, and they use it to replace regular taxes. Now, you say, well, we don't want to raise taxes, sure, but we have taxes. The question is, what taxes should we, should we increase and which taxes should we decrease? 
If you want to discourage something, you increase the tax on it. If you want to encourage it, you lower the tax on it. If, we want, if you lower the tax on transportation or you don't raise it over time, which is effectively lowering it in real terms, you encourage more people to travel. Okay? More people traveling is a good thing, but more people traveling during rush hour is congestion. Driving in congestion is a waste of everybody's resources. You know, I'm wasting time because somebody else is on the road. Now, I might need to be there and they might need to be there, but there's this third person who doesn't need to be there, but they're not paying their full cost. They don't think about the congestion they're imposing on everybody else. So there's a lot of interlocking pieces here. Um, what do you think of Trump's but, proposed infrastructure plan, if I'm asked? People say it's a trillion-dollar proposal, a huge proposal. Uh, it's not conservative, right? So people who are politically looking at this or people who are looking at this from a, a partisan lens uh, are going to be upset just at the notion of the government spending that much money on something. But just as an infrastructure expert, what do you think about it? Well, I think it's optimistic to expect the private sector to be building a lot of infrastructure projects because the private sector is going to want to return on investment. And where we're at now is there's not a lot of infrastructure that's going to have a great return on investment. I mean, if you were in a country with no infrastructure and you built the first road, that could be a really profitable road because a lot of people would need to use it. You know, there's no other convenient way to get between point A and point B. If you're in a country where there's already a lot of roads between point A and point B and someone comes and says, well, we should build a new road between um, just near point A to just near point B. Well, that's competing against a road that's already out there, a road that's already un- untold most cases. So it's it's um, subsidized. And you're asking someone to come in and build a road, probably a toll road, because they need to recover their investment if they're a private company. And why are they going to do that? It's, it's going to be a really hard sell to get private companies to want to build that much stuff. Now, that doesn't mean there's not a role for the private sector in transportation, because obviously there is. But unless we're prepared to sell off um, our existing infrastructure, which is what some countries are doing. Australia in particular is selling off a lot of public infrastructure, getting a lot of money for that and using that to invest in new things. Um, But that involves putting tolls on things that are not tolled now. Um, That involves turning over to the private sector the opportunity to raise rates. Um, So, for instance, Indiana, under Governor Mitch Daniels, uh, Republican, um, basically put out a long-term lease on the Indiana toll road and private firm picked up the lease and this was an existing toll road. And so there wasn't, you you already knew what the competition was. You already knew what the market was and they paid Indiana a lot of money up front and their back end was that they were going to collect the toll revenue over a long period of time. And the 2008 recession comes in and the company has to uh, file for bankruptcy and reorganize. So new companies picked up the deal and they'll probably do okay over the long run, but it shows how difficult it is to even even existing toll roads are hard to privatize. And so building a new road where the level of traffic is unproven is very is a very speculative investment. Not a lot of companies are going to want to do that, even if you give them a tax break, which is essentially what the um, plan is, is to cut, you know, make well, okay. it so that there's a lower taxes on these new, on these new private right. investments in infrastructure. Professor, what can you tell us about about jobs here? I mean, people it's it's a common refrain you'll hear again from from conservatives that the government can't create jobs. Well, if the government's building a highway and paying people for at least a period of time, there are jobs. Uh, there, there are people who are paid to you know do that construction. 
uh, are there are there, are there sort of long term benefits to employment even beyond the initial construction phase with major infrastructure projects? I mean, is infrastructure spending by government shown to, if not just create durable jobs for the long run from the project itself, useful because it opens up businesses in certain areas? I mean, what can you tell us about the job side of this? So this was a question that was widely debated around 2009 with um, the stimulus bill, um, the Recovery Act. And so there were claims that there would be a huge multiplier effect. So you hire a construction worker, and that's great, and the construction worker is going to buy groceries and get their hair cut, and that's going to lead to more economic activity. And in, and in a period where you have – where the construction worker would otherwise be idle, there's a re- reasonable argument that, that that's the case, that you know, they are creating demand that wouldn't otherwise exist because they would otherwise be unemployed. Now, we're pretty close to a full employment economy now. Now, you, obviously, it's not a full employment economy, but, but unemployment rate is a lot lower than it was in 2009. And so hiring a lot of construction workers is, for building infrastructure is going to mean that you're driving up the cost of doing everything else. So in a period of unemployment, something that might generate a lot of stimulus is in a period of near full employment going to result in crowding out of other economic activities, and it's basically a substitution. Now, it might be that the infrastructure is worth doing because it's a better investment than whatever else would be being built, you know, another Trump hotel, or um, you can imagine what other other construction projects would be out there that the construction worker would be doing instead of being on the road crew. But even then, most road construction people have a different set of skills than most residential construction people or office building construction people or stadium construction people. So it's not that, that individuals are easily transferred between these and that we're already employed our construction workers, road construction workers building roads. Where are the next set of, um, what are they going to be doing? What are they not doing instead of doing that? Okay. Are they not building roads for local government because they're building these larger roads? Um, you know, so it's not clear where, where the stimulus um, multiplier effect is going to be. It's going to certainly be lower than it would be if there was a lot of unemployment. Last one for uh, you, Professor, the, before we got to let you go, because we're running up into a hard break here. If we made you the uh, infrastructure czar under the Trump government, let's just assume you would do that. But <laughs> if that was your job and you could do any one thing, what would be the first project you would do? You mean the first build, construction project that yes, I would sir. do? Um, probably a tunnel under the Hudson River, but... Uh, not absolutely convinced about that. All right. Well, fair enough. Professor David Levinson is at the University of Minnesota. He is on the transport. He's the author, rather, of the Transportist blog, transportist.org. He also has a bunch of books, davidlevinson.org. You can check them all out there. Professor, great to have you, sir. Thank you very much for joining. Thank you. The Buck Sexton Show. The experts at Web.com want to build your business a successful website for free, just like we did for these current Web.com customers. We've used and and looked at other website designers, but there's nobody better than Web.com. Web.com can build your website in as little as seven days free. Plus, we'll promote it on all the major search engines like Google, Yahoo, and Bing. If after 30 days you're happy, we'll continue to provide promotion, hosting, support, and maintenance, all for one low monthly fee. If not, cancel and pay nothing. If you're in business today and you don't have a web presence, you won't be taken seriously. Call right now and you'll also get a free .com or .net domain name for your new website powered by VeriSign, the world's leading domain name provider. 
Call 800-490-1099 or go to web.com slash radio. That's 800-490-1099. No upfront charge for site build, after which ongoing fees apply. Rights to site are relinquished when canceled. Domain included during active service, after which fees apply.